This is Kathy Rhodes Sargentio, and you are listening to Diary of a Madman. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast where we geek out about everything Ozzy and Ozzy related. I am Josh Crumman. With me as always is Mr. Dan Drago. How's it going, Dan? Doing great. How you doing, Josh? Doing good, man. We all got a little bit of the holiday hangover from all the turkey and dressing and ham and everything else we all ate this week. But I'm also sure you had all that because you were down in fucking Mexico enjoying the beach while the rest of us froze to death. That was Mexico. Mexico is insane. We were down at Rocky Point, and you're 100% right. We actually barbecued carne asada tacos and some chicken-flavored tacos. It was out of this world. Amazing. I'm a little bit jealous, but at the same time, you were a little jealous of me because in the meantime, I was enjoying the new Black Label Society album, and I was enjoying a new song from Mr. Tony Iommi while you were in Mexico enjoying the beach and your family. I think I might have won that one. I'm not positive. <laughs> You definitely won that one. (laughs) (laughs) But I do want to state for the record, I was still texting news from Mexico. So I just want to make sure the listeners know out there, even on vacation, I'm slaving to find out as much Aussie news as possible. Same here, man. No matter where I'm at, any time of the day. I was literally laying in bed last night, and you texted me some news that you had read in a, on an article with Tony Iommi, and I slapped that shit out there instantly at like 1 in the morning Eastern time because, hey, man, if we want to be the ones to claim to have it first, we got to have it first, right? It don't matter what time of day it is. We're like fucking FedEx, man. Any time, any day, whatever. That's USPS, deliver. right? Oh, yes, it's it. USPS, actually, right? Yeah, it is, it is USPS. <laughs> so, hey. Before we get started on the news this week, and there's a shit ton of Aussie news this week, let's talk about the episode last week. You know, we had Ryan on. It was a very, very successful episode. We got a ton of feedback. I almost lean that Master of Reality amongst the listeners seemed to be the more popular choice. Yeah, I think it was too. You, me, and Ryan all three agreed that if you just ask us which album do you prefer, Paranoid or Master of Reality, we all agreed we would say Master of Reality also. But yet with the battle, all three of us picked Paranoid. So I think typically with most of the fans, it's a case of they prefer the album Master of Reality. But when you go head-to-head, song-for-song, somehow or another, Paranoid seems to usually pull it out. It's tough. I think Paranoid just suffers, and we talked a lot about this, about that over-listen, just people are tired of it. And I understand. I mean, we've when I go see Ozzy live, I'm kind of like, uh, I almost don't want to hear War Pigs. You know, so it's like, I get it. It's a very popular record. They play it all the time on the radio. It's sporting events. You can't get away from Paranoid, Iron Man, War Pigs. But the album is fucking great. It's so legendary, and I still think it's the best side one in music history. You get a little burned out on that, but at the same time, it's always great hearing it when you're listening to a ball game or you're watching a ball game and it's in the background noise. You can hear the band playing Iron Man at a college football game or something like that. But like you said, when you're a diehard fan, you always want to express to other people hey they have more than just the paranoid album like we know that's the one that mainstream media knows and loves but listen you really got to listen close to technical ecstasy it's fucking badass and as fans we always want to pull everyone 
to the other material also. You know, the same as with Ozzy Solo. It's always Crazy Train, and it's always the Randy Rose material for the most part. You know, I mean, to an extent, Mom, I'm coming home and Bark of the Moon also. But you always want to go, yeah, man, but you got to really listen to No Rest for the Wicked. You know, like this, this is the one no one talks about. So I think it's a lot of the same thing. That said, though, Master of Reality has some fucking smashes. Children of the Grave and Sweetly for two of the biggest hits Black Sabbath ever had. So, but it's definitely an interesting battle. The one thing that Master of Reality really suffers from, it only has six real songs on it. And then, of course, we had to add Weevil Woman, which is only a demo that was half finished. So I think that kind of made it suffer also in the head-to-head battle. Yeah, it's a great point. It is incredibly short, but it's such a compact, incredible listen. Like, I think the one thing about Master of Reality that it has over Paranoid, I just think it tells a wonderful story between how short it is, the guitar interludes by Tony, The ending of Children of the Grave, which is fucking eerie as hell. You know, you have Solitude on side two, tracking into one of the heaviest songs of all time and Into the Void. Master of Reality really does a wonderful job of being a complete album. Where Paranoid might have the better songs, and it's like, oh yeah, let me throw on Fairies Wear Boots. But I can sit back and listen to Master of Reality front to back. It's just got an incredible flow. So... Again, coming off a very, very wonderful, successful episode, and we want to thank our listeners and keep spreading the word. Every week, we're getting more popular, and we're getting more followers, more listeners, which is fantastic, because the more satisfaction we get out of it, the more we can spread the word of Ozzy. I mean, really, Josh says it all the time. We are just recording conversations we're going to have regardless, so it's great to share that with everybody. We love the interaction. We got some really, really cool ideas from listeners that we're going to incorporate into our show for a show topic here coming up so super excited about where we are right now keep spreading the word ozzy's releasing a new record it's just going to really take off right now so bringing that up to the table we got a lot of ozzy news this week didn't we josh 100 percent, man the first of which you had to relay for me i do not listen to sirius xm i got tired of hearing the scorpions you know four times every 15 minutes so i canceled my subscription to sirius xm but dan the man here still has it and it's a good thing because he's able to listen to ozzy speaks on ozzy's boneyard and he relayed us some interesting tidbits from ozzy speaks this week dan tell us about them real quick So the big one is the album is in the mixing stage. So all the parts have been completed. And one of the eye-opening things for me was how involved Ozzy is in the mixing stage. I mean, he's not sitting in the room and moving knobs and stuff, but he completely listens to rough mixes that Andrew sends him and gives his critiques of them. Bass louder, kick drum lower, you know, that sort of stuff. And Ozzy and Billy had talked a lot about how he's very heavily involved in all the album mixes, especially No More Tears and 13 were the two big ones that Ozzy um, really worked hard on from the mixing stages. But the album's coming together. So they recorded 12 songs, and this is something that Josh and I talked about, where they originally said that they wrote and recorded 15. So we're here to surmise that those 15 songs were probably done as a demo with Andrew Watt and Ozzy. Now, we all know Zach is playing guitar on the album, so we think that those 15 songs were demoed, and they picked 12 of them, Until later news, now we think they may have picked 11, but for all intents and purposes, there's got to be extra demo songs out there. It appears there may be a 15-song demo of this album with Andrew Watt on guitar, and then a 12-song album release with Zach on guitar, 
and of course guest guitarists like Tony Iommi and Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck. That's totally exciting news. I love stuff like that. Like if down the road this album's 10, 12 years old and all of a sudden we find the demo versions with Andrew Watt and you can listen and compare and contrast. Like I prefer this version of Watt. You know, he did this section this way and Zach did this way. Shit like that's what I eat up as a listener and as a fan. And I think it's what this show's kind of all about, really. Like this stuff we could talk about for days on this show. But totally excited to know that they did at least record 12 with Zach Wilde. The album will have 12 songs according to Ozzy. But we do know, like I said, there's three more out there. But one thing you mentioned, too, about the mixing, you said Ozzy said they're doing two songs at a time. He's really focusing down on one or two at a time. He doesn't want to overdo too many at once and kind of get a deaf ear to certain tones and, and certain parts of the mix. And it's, it's, it's a good way to keep it fresher for him because, you know, Ozzy, he doesn't tend to stay as focused as people would like sometimes. So I think getting it down to two songs at a time, finishing them up, moving on to the next two is a great way to go about it. And it probably helps us get a single quicker. Oftentimes they will mix the single, get it ready, send it out, and then later on mix the rest of the album. I'll give you a great example of that. It's actually God is Dead on 13. That's why Tony Omi's guitar solo wasn't in the mix when you initially heard it on Sirius XM for the, for the debut. Do you know on Sirius they still play that version? Yeah, I've heard it. <laughs> yeah, they always still play that version. It was so weird hearing it now. <laughs> well, I do love Geezer's bass behind it, and it really stands out with Tony's solo being gone. But I obviously prefer the real version with Tony's little solo in there. Of course. In other news, Tony Iommi has made a lot of headway with a couple different things this week. The first we will start off with, since it relates to what we're speaking about now, of course, we know he makes an appearance on the new Ozzy Osbourne album, and Zach Wilde has stated that he plays rhythm guitar on that track. Well, now Tony has stated that he plays rhythm guitar on the track also, and also wrote it. And Dan discovered in an interview last night that actually stated the song title was going to be No Escape From Now, which I think is fucking excellent song title for an Ozzy Osbourne track. Man, that sounds so fucking cool. I can't wait to hear it. But it appears that Tony and Zach both are playing rhythm guitar on that one together. I mean, is that a fucking wet dream come true for an Ozzy fan or not? Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I have a funny feeling, as long as the song isn't incredibly doomy and real slow, I have a feeling it's going to be the first single. I don't know why, but I think it would be a wonderful way to start off this record having Tony and Zach play together. The title is incredible, No Escape From Now. They recorded it at Tony's studio with Mike Exeter on bass, and they used a drum machine. And then when Andrew Watt received the tracks, Chad Smith replaced the drum machine with live drums. Can't wait to hear it, but I think that's going to be that should be the lead single because you got Tony and Zach playing together for the first time. Fucking mind blown. And in one article, Tony made the comment that he hasn't heard what Ozzy sang on it yet. But I did see another article that said he did hear Ozzy's vocals and that they were excellent. So it just depends. Those articles came out on the same day because they coincided with the release of Tony's new song. But that doesn't mean they were recorded the same day. One guy could have interviewed Tony a month ago and one last week. In the interim time there, he could have actually heard the track you know, in a more completed fashion. I'm like you. I got a weird suspicion it's going to be the lead single also, mostly because it seems to be a song already that's getting so much traction. People are talking about this one a whole lot. How can they not be? We talked about it last night, and I know a lot of people are not big fans of Psycho Man and Selling My Soul. I know Josh and myself are huge fans of those songs. This, in particular, Psycho Man, I think, is brilliant. Everybody, Everybody's complaint is that it sounds like an Ozzy solo song. So if No Escape From Now is anywhere near as good as Psycho Man, I'll be happy as a pig and shit. Oh, no question. So we're looking at a potential of Zach has already said he plays rhythm guitar in this song. And Tony has said he plays rhythm guitar on this song. So you got Zach and Tony mashed together. 
Ozzy's singing, Ozzy's melody and vocals, and we know that Tony does a solo. Zach could do a solo also. How do we know that they're not going to do like a like a trade off solo on that man? There, there could be a song with two solos, one Zach Wild, one Tony Iommi. All the while, Dan and Josh are in the corner jacking off because that's all we fucking want, dude. <laughs> that, like that would be if, amazing. If, if you're wanting to make a splash for this fucking album, I mean, what more than that right there to fucking do it? I mean, who wouldn't be tickled? Who would not want to hear that? That's a fan of Ozzy Osbourne or Black Sabbath. You know what? That would prevent, to Josh, to your point, the fucking bashing on Andrew Watt. Oh, Andrew Watt can't do this. Andrew Watt can't do that. He can't play guitar. Well, this is a song written by Tony and Ozzy. You know it's going to slam. Zach Wilde's playing guitar on it as well. It would shut up all the naysayers right out of the gate. Absolutely. Let's back up a little bit. Let's circle back. Ozzy said they recorded 15 songs. Then he later said for the album version with Zach Wilde on guitar, they have 12. Well, now we know one of those is No Escape From Now, written musically by Tony Iommi. So we are starting to think that maybe this song is a late arrival. There's a chance now we have 16 tracks total for this session because it appeared that this original 15 would have been before Tony would have sent this track to Ozzy. And this is all total like guesswork and just my opinion. I'm not even going to speak for Dan. I think when Ozzy reached out to Tony about doing a solo, you know, Tony talks, if you read his interviews, he's always talking about his cell phone full of riffs and he's got all these damn riffs and he just needs to do something with them and put them together. Can you not imagine a situation where Ozzy calls Tony and says, man, we want you to do a solo on my new album. And Tony's, you know, sure, of course I'll do that. Hey, you got to listen to this riff I've been working on and plays it. And Ozzy's like, Oh, you got to fucking send me that. I've already got melodies in my head for that already. And Tony would do it in a heartbeat, man. It's so funny how throughout history, Ozzy and Tony were always the beef of Black Sabbath. They were always the lawsuits between those two. Ozzy's never been embarrassed to say that Tony intimidated him. And he was always a little bit afraid of him. As they've gotten older, I think they're the closest two of the four, man. I think Ozzy and Tony have a really good relationship right now. And I want to throw out there real quick, this fucking clickbait you guys see online, man, don't fall for that shit. Don't fall for that. I fucking hate it. All over the internet right now are articles that show Tony and Ozzy and says the reason Tony Iommi doesn't speak to Ozzy Osbourne anymore. And they want you to click that garbage just to simply hear Tony say, I tell Ozzy just to text me because he forgets about the time zone difference. He lives in L.A. and I live in Birmingham and he calls me at two in the morning morning. (laughs) and goes, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize what time it was. I'll call you later. Bye. And hangs up the phone. And it pisses me off that they put that out there in the media to look like. There's a beef there. When it's the exact opposite, these two guys' relationship is the best it's been maybe ever. Ever. And even in the same article, he said, I talk to Geezer and Bill occasionally, but I talk to Ozzy a lot, is what he said. Yep, so, that's exactly what he said. Yep. So I agree. It's kind of fucking weird how during this Black Sabbath rebirth from 1997 on, Ozzy and Tony have really rectified their relationship and are getting along better than ever. And it's amazing. I hope... They continue to write together. It obviously now shows that Tony or Ozzy don't really care if it's on Tony's record, like Who's Fooling Who, or on Ozzy's record for No Escape From Now, but they should continue to collaborate. It doesn't matter if it's under the Black Sabbath banner, even though it could be. No question. It's always magic when they're together. Like you said, they're fucking badass songs. So if I can have some more of that, I'll take it. Here's what people are missing, is the only reason Psycho Man sounds more like a solo Ozzy song is because it has a chorus. And we talk about this a lot. Old Black Sabbath doesn't have traditional arrangements, and most songs do not have a chorus at all. They're movements. 
It might do three verses, then it completely changes into another song, then it completely changes into another song, and then sometimes it doesn't even go back to the original. That I mean, Black Sabbath, that's what makes them so great. But starting about technical ecstasy, I'd say, they started adding a couple of choruses here and there. And then by the time Dio got in the band, it was pretty common for them to have choruses. So when Psycho Man was written, it just has a chorus. Ozzy's solo lives on the chorus. To me, it sounds like Tony Iommi all day. That's great fucking riffs, especially that second half of uh, Psycho Man. But people just aren't thinking straight because they just hear a chorus in a Black Sabbath song. And let's be honest, too. It doesn't fit the narrative. You know, the narrative is Geezer writes all the lyrics. And then when you look at that one, it says Tony Iommi, Ozzy Osbourne. They didn't like it right away because of that. They didn't exactly. even give it a chance. That's exactly what I was trying to say. 100%. Great point. On top of all this great Tony Iommi news, the Lord Riffmaster himself dropped a new song totally out of nowhere. He put out a few teaser videos earlier in the week, and it was kind of real choppy. You had no idea what he was talking about. And he mentioned a friendship, and I started to think maybe it was the long-awaited album with Brian May that he's talked about for like 15 years now. All of a sudden, on Thanksgiving Day, bam, new song from Tony Iommi, an instrumental song called Scent of Dark to coincide with the new cologne that he's releasing anxious to see what it smells like i don't know <laughs> i don't know what a scent of dark smells like but i'm kind of curious to see i bet that's some expensive shit what do you say yeah no question <laughs> it is a killer song you know i didn't get to hear it until i got back from mexico but there's a lot of black sabbath in that song of course because tony is black sabbath right he's that sound but all of the cellos and all of the classical arrangements it's very unique it's great as an instrumental it never gets boring there's not an excessive leads but there are Great melodies on the guitar. It's a fantastic song. It's fucking awesome. Like, it's fucking awesome. I've listened to it so much. And it's so weird. You know, instrumentals can get boring. Right. They just can, man. I don't care how good you are. They can get so boring. It never gets boring. And as a matter of fact, when I listen to it and it ends, I almost get surprised. It ends kind of, I don't want to say abruptly, but like, you're kind of like, oh, it's already over. And that's so rare coming from an instrumental song. But it's so fucking good, man. His tone is so perfect if his if his guitar sounds like that on the aussie album and i by all accounts it should because he recorded in his studio with mike x engineering the same as he did on this song and with aussie song so i mean there's no reason it shouldn't sound the same i mean his guitar sounds so good I'm, I'm like you man the cello and the violins they're fucking gorgeous the video was cool as shit too i loved him shooting pool and the pool yeah. balls were all number 13 that was so cool oh, I, was, I caught that that was yeah. so fucking badass the video was cool and it's just so fucking great to hear something from tony iommi right now man he's not put out anything really for the most part since the 13 album you know he's had some right. appearances here or there right but it's you know, just so good and haunting, man. It's it's honestly everything I want from him, minus Ozzy Osbourne singing over it. Right. As much as we're Ozzy heads, the truth of the matter is, I don't know if there's a fucking cooler guy walking the planet than Tony Iommi. He is so motherfucking cool in that video. His playing is so underrated. You know, everybody claims that his riffs are easy to play, which they kind of are, but they're so memorable. It doesn't really matter. But this song shows he's got so much layer to his songwriting. And I'm just really happy with it and proud of Tony, to be honest, that he's still writing and enjoying life. And, you know, cancer's obviously been beaten by the God of Doom, and I couldn't be happier with the track. You know, people can say that those songs are easy to play, and they are. But let me tell you something. They're not fucking easy to write. And if you think they are, go out and write a couple of those bad boys because Tony Iommi is one of a kind, and no one can touch him. It's just that simple. And really, it's almost like a good drummer. Take a... Uh, 
Phil Rudd from ACDC. Ooh, I love him. He is phenomenal. You will not find a better in-the-pocket drummer in the world than Phil Rudd. Now, is he Joey Jordison? No, he's not, but he doesn't need to be. I always kind of equate Tony to that. Like, he's not Eddie Van Halen, but he doesn't want to be Eddie Van Halen. He wants to be Tony Iommi, and he does what he does better than fucking anybody on the planet. So before we move on to today's topic, there is one more thing we wanted to touch on real quick. Dan, do you want to go ahead and cover this one? Yeah, absolutely. So it just came out that Ozzy has postponed his European tour with Judas Priest back to 2023, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody. So obviously, Zach in the news has been talking about getting together in January to, to prepare for the tour, which is obviously off now. So I don't think anybody's surprised by this. To be perfectly honest, I don't think it ever happens. I think Ozzy should do one to two shows just so he can end on his own terms. And that's it. No more touring. Continue to write with Tony. His relationship with Andrew Watt is phenomenal. As we'll get into with this new record, I still think there's gas in the tank for Ozzy and Zach to write together, which we will get to in the show. But I'd much rather see that happen than Ozzy continue to tour and let's be honest, play the same fucking songs over and over again and, and see him continue to struggle with his health. He's old. He's 73. I think it's enough with the touring. I have no problem that he postponed it. I'd rather see him just cancel it. 100%, man. I mean, I would love to, to have one more go around with him myself, a Vegas residency or something like that. But at the same time, man, we just want what's best for him. You know what I mean? And the only reason in my heart I would still like to see Ozzy Osbourne on stage is because I know he wants to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know how bad he wants to be up there. That's one thing everyone around him talks about. So for that reason, I would love to see this tour come off and him get through it. These dates were booked in 2018 for 2019. These people have had tickets in their hands for almost five years. Well, it would be five by that time. And that's really sad. But, you know, in his heart of hearts, Ozzy, I think it's a mental thing. He just can't fucking cancel him because it feels like he's giving in to declining health. If he cancels them, I think that's a mental thing for him. But yeah, definitely disappointing to hear that. Not shocked. I definitely want him to go out on his term from a live perspective. But look, man, he's on top of it all right now in the studio. Ordinary man's fucking epic. And you know, with our Aussie in the 21st century episode, one thing I realized, I think fans, it, it got some shit online. It did get some hate. You know, Watts get Watts shitty guitar player. And, or he runs a Post Malone and he's all hip hop and this and that. But at the same time, that album got a lot of love and our feedback from that show also. As a matter of fact, I think more people messaged our socials and said they preferred Ordinary Man than any one of the other albums. As do we. Yeah, as do we. But anyway, on to today's topic. So, Dan, are you ready to discuss a little Black Label Society, Doom Crew, Inc.? I am. It's so exciting to really uh, do a deep dive on Zach's brand new record. I have literally lived this record since I've gotten back from Mexico over the last couple of days. And... I'm so excited to talk about it and pleasantly very, very surprised. It's so fucking good, man. It is. You know, to let listeners in on the inside, we've had it planned for 10 days to record tonight and do a deep dive on No Rest for the Wicked. We'll just throw that out there to you. And I messaged Dan like the day before yesterday, and I'm like, man, do you think we need to do a deep dive on Doom Crew Incorporated? Like, it's just so freaking good. And, and Dan was just like, man, whatever you think, but... Yeah, I think we kind of should. And yeah. we just kind of went from there like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do Doom Crew Inc. It's what everybody wants to talk about right now. If you're an Aussie fan, you more than likely love this record or at least interested enough to listen to it. And uh, we thought, you know, the Iron's Hot with Black Label right now. They're the talk of the town. And I'm excited to discuss it with you, man, because like you said, I think Zach has really 
knocked this one out of the park. I'm very proud of him right now. It's, it's so fucking good. I was kind of hiding my excitement a little bit, but this is clearly way better than Grimace Tits. I'll be perfectly honest. And I feel like this is the natural follow-up to that brilliant run of Order of the Black and Catacombs of the Black Vatican. Like, if you remove Grimace Tits from the list and you have those three in a row, you're like, fuck, Zach Wilde is on a tear with Black Label Society. The fact is, he did have Grimace Tits in there, and I know Josh and I are not a huge fan of that record, but this one is worlds better. It's got everything from crushing heavy riffs, some up-tempo stuff, beautiful ballads, but we're going to get into every song, but this is worlds better than his last record. No question. And, you know, Zach, we'll talk about this more as we get into track by track, but he really reached out in different directions on this one. I think bringing Dario in to play uh, dueling leads with him on the album was a phenomenal idea. I said on another show with, you know, one of our partners, John the Bod on Bod's Mayhem Hour, he had me on briefly discuss this album. Like I told him, fans have wanted that dual guitar attack on the album ever since the day of Nick Catanese. And it's just something Zach's never been open to. He's, he's always done it all himself. And I think Zach, I don't know that he does it for control, but I think it's just so much easier to just do it yourself. You know you're, you're happy with how it's done, and you can knock it out. And Zach's all about knocking out albums. And I think it was just more of a case of not so much that he didn't want people on the albums with him, but it's just a convenience just to go ahead and do it himself. You know what I mean? And if I could do that, I'd play to my own records that way because it's so much easier than dealing with people. <laughs> but it's just so good to finally hear Dario on this record. And, of course, you have J.D. on bass, which J.D.'s been on the last several. J.D. engineers the albums and stuff, and he's very involved. So uh, you have J.D. on bass and Jeff Fab on drums. It's a solid band. This lineup, Dan, this kind of surprised me when I, I researched today and looked up some things to kind of drop some notes for the show. Do you realize this version of Black Label Society was Zach? JD, Dario, and Jeff Fab has been together since 2014. Yep, since Catacombs. That seems right. crazy, you know? It just doesn't seem like it's been that long. It really has. So they're starting to really gel as a group, and I think it's starting to show the fruition of the growth that's starting to happen now, and you can really see it on these records. It sounds like a band more than – this isn't a knock, but it sounds like a band more than Zach Wilde doing his thing. Yeah, exactly. And this is no slam on Nick, but – Dario is no joke as a guitar player, man. He was obviously the lead guitar player for Lizzie Borden before he joined Black Label Society, which Joe Holmes also was part of Lizzie Borden back in the day. Just a little Aussie connection yep. there. But that guy can jam, and he gives a little bit of a different vibe, even though Zach said he did write some of the solos that Dario plays. He's just got a different feel and a different vibe. And I'll tell you, their back and forth trading leads is definitely a highlight of the record. It's phenomenal. No doubt. It's the overarching story of the album is the dueling guitars. I mean, it's almost like a thin lazy attack of just guitars coming at you from every direction. And I think that's exactly what Zach wanted, man. And and I think Dario lived up to it. And he's a phenomenal player. He definitely has his own style. But at the same time, man, you can tell he's been playing with Zach Wilde for a long time. He does sound a lot like Zach. Also, there's a moment here and there where I'm like, which one is that? Right. And it takes me a second to listen. Once you listen real close, you can distinct the difference between the two, but it, it's tough, man. He holds his own with Zach, dude. He definitely can shred. There's no question about it. And I think what happened here is it pushes Zach to write better leads. Because to me, I think that's, like you said, that is the story here of Doom Crew. It's great. There's so many positive things we're going to get to, but the writing of the leads is his best in a long time. It's not just him turning the recorder on and shredding. It sounds like these leads are much more thought out and planned because he obviously had to show Dario how to play some of them. To me, that's what really elevates this record is Zach has taken the time to really 
really write incredible fucking leads on this record. And even when Zach just hits play, it's mind-blowing how great of a guitar player he is. But listening to Doom Crew Inc., I think this reestablishes Zach as a guitar god. Not that people ever question it, but you know, you get that, oh, he only plays pentatonic scales. But this record really elevates him as a fucking the phenomenal player that he is because God almighty, the guitar playing on this record is fantastic. Uh, all he does is pinch harmonics. Uh, yeah. Anybody can do that. Let me hear you do one like that. Let's mother yeah. dude. I can play a pinch harmonic. They don't sound like that. I mean, he is <laughs> fucking the master, but Zach definitely does reestablish himself as a complete guitar. God, right. because he, this album shows you a few more shades than the last few have. Uh, one thing that you and I discussed little, to none, to no pinch harmonics in this album, but I've listened to it closer. I don't think there's any. There's a few and a couple of leads, but not but in not the like the not in the riffy like it used right. to be. There's natural pinch harmonics in the soloing and stuff that just happens with you know with shredding the guitar, but like there's no like riffy pinch harmonics that just overtake the whole riff. You know, there's none of that. Nope. Album wide, and I got to be honest, man, I don't miss it. I don't mind it. I'm not one of those people that, oh, the pinch harmonics. I'm not one of those. But like anything else, it has a time and place. And I think Zach realizes that that time and place may be mostly in the past at this point. Do them live. Do them live at the shows. That's totally different. But for the album releases, I'm glad that at least for now, he's putting that on the shelf a little bit. And just playing the guitar you know, in a little bit of a different style that he's not so known for because it gives the album a fresh sound for sure. I will tell you, this is one of the rare records, too, that I listened to. And the whole time I didn't go, God, I wish Ozzy had this riff. God, I wish Ozzy had this song. I think Zach's melodies are much improved this go around. These songs stick in your head. They're great vocals. I think his vocals are fucking top notch. He's really, really fine tuned them. And this is probably the first time there's maybe a riff here or there where I go, fuck, that would have been great on an Ozzy record. But Overall, as a set of songs, this is just a great front-to-back record where Zach is really, mm-hmm. I hate to say Zach's finally standing on his own because he stood on his own 30 fucking years ago. But I really feel that these songs are made for Zach. It's just, this is what Black Label Society should be every time. Square peg, square hole. They fit. Yeah. They would be great Aussie songs. Sure, they probably would. But Zach's melodies and his version of these songs are so good, it, it's okay. Like I know totally what you're saying. They are... Fine, just the way they are. They're excellent. They're good songs. It's a solid record, man. There's 12 tracks, and I love all 12 of them. And and not only do I love them, but you know we're going to do our rankings at the end of the show. It was really fucking hard to rank this album best song to worst song because they're also together. It's a unit. They're children. There's 12 children, and all children are beautiful for what they are. And there's no throwaway tracks of the 12. And I think that speaks volumes, especially coming after Grimace Hits, where you and I both have aired our grievances with that one but this album is, has absolutely been all i've asked for and then some so that said do you want to go ahead and get into it yeah absolutely before we get started i do want to just state that there is a japanese release with two bonus tracks one is called don't dream it's over and the other is called i can't tell you why now i personally think these are covers me and josh talked about this for <laughs> for a good length i believe that i can't tell you why it might be an eagles cover which josh brought to my attention and Don't Dream It's Over is also a 1986 song by Crowded House. Zach said he demoed 30 songs for this record, and they only recorded 12. So now that I saw that there's two bonus tracks on the Japanese release, which I've already purchased, and we'll review them once I get them in, my gut feeling is they're two covers. What do you think? If he has Timothy B. Schmidt from the Eagles singing I Can't Tell You Why with his pounding guitars in the background, that would be phenomenal. 
right. It would definitely be different. <laughs> <laughs> it would be different, to say the least. <laughs> no, and I'll, I'll kid the side. I'm so excited, man. I had the impression that these 12 songs were all they did. I referenced John the Bod earlier from Bod's Mayhem Hour, but he had JD, Dario, and Jeff on his show recently, and JD said there was only the 12 songs also. So definitely shocked to see two Japanese bonus tracks. Let's hope there's something to them that they're not just 45-second tracks and then goofing off in the studio or something. But totally excited for that. They sound like ballads, possibly, too. I mean, if they are original songs, they, you know, Don't Dream It's Over and I Can't Tell You Why sounds like they could be ballads. But... They could very well be covers. So who knows? It would definitely something for us to look forward to. They're probably going to be on YouTube by tomorrow. <laughs> I checked. They're not there yet. <laughs> I, I checked also. They're not there yet. <laughs> so, and you know, he loves to do covers. He's done a shit ton in his Black Label Society career. So either way, I'm super excited to get them. I prefer them to be original. I'll just state that. I want to throw in there also before we get into this, that the album was recorded at Zach's home studio, The Black Vatican. It was produced by Zach Wilde. With associate producers John DeServio, which is JD, and Adam John Fuller, and engineered by Adam John Fuller, mixed by JD, Adam John Fuller, and Zach Wild. And of course, Dario's parts were recorded at his home studio also. Uh, Zach just sent him all the tracks essentially finished, and Dario said that he put his solos on there and sent them back, with the exception of three that Zach had already written for him. Those three were Set You Free, You Made Me Want to Live, and end of days which are the three singles from the album so i'm not sure if zach maybe didn't want to give up too much of the reins and want to make sure that the singles were covered but typically at that stage of the recording process you don't know which ones the singles are even going to be yet so probably just a coincidence but otherwise all of dario's solos were his own and he said i was reading guitar world him and zach were on the cover of guitar world this month and dario said that most of those solos he actually just improved. he listened to their tracks Went in and just jammed along with him and improv his parts until he was happy with them and then sent them back to Zach and Zach loved them. I do want to state about the production that it is incredible. I mean, I go back to the first three or four Black Label Society productions and God, have they come a long way. This is maybe the best produced one yet. It sounds fantastic. I think it is too. One thing that you and I talked about a lot on the Black Label Society albums ranked episode in our archives, please check that out is that Zach tends to rush things a little bit. We always feel like he's, oh, you know, this album's in the can and we're going to release it you know, in the road or this and that. And I, I recorded 30 songs for this album and da, da 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 You know, everything's always felt rushed. I think the pandemic really slowed Zach down and he had time to take time. And he took his time on this album. I think he wrote better songs for this album. I think he recorded better guitar solos for this album. I think he took his time and made sure it was a kick-ass Black Label Society record. And I think I can speak for most fans when I say, I would rather have one of these than two that's rushed. You can tell there's a difference on this album. He had a little more time at home, and I think it shows. One more piece of news I want to throw out there, Dan, before we get into this. I didn't get to hear it for myself, but I was told by some friends who watched the Black Label Society album premiere that they did online with the dinner and all that, and they listened to the album. I'm actually not sure if they're still available to listen to. If it is, I'd like to go watch it. But apparently, Zach made the comment on there that he's already began work on Book of Shadows 3. And I find that extremely exciting because Book of Shadows 1 is his best album ever, solo in my opinion. Don't know that it'll ever be touched. And Book of Shadows 2, I love that one also. It wasn't quite as good as the original, of course, but I, I still thought it had like five or six extremely, extremely powerful songs. Well, I'm a sucker for King. King is one of my all-time favorite Zach songs. Oh, and if you're not sure that guy can sing, just check that fucking track out, because oh. he's on fire. Yeah, that one gives me chills every time I hear it. Book of Shadows 1, definitely my favorite Zach album ever, No matter, and that'll never be touched. We are totally in alignment as usual. Super exciting news that Book of Shadows 3 is coming, and I'll tell you, I'll uh, make mention of it when we go track by track, that I think he could have held some of these songs back for it. 
I'm glad he didn't, though. I'm glad he didn't either, because that means he just has more. But yeah. I know what you're going to say. There's a few, definitely some solid, solid ballads or songs that are in that style of frame of mind that would have fit on that album pretty well. Yeah. So definitely some more exciting stuff coming from Zach Wild here shortly. Uh, right, let's get started. Let's get into it. Track one is Set You Free. We've definitely discussed this one before on the show, but let's refresh fans on our feelings about this track. First of all, it's catchy as fuck. This was an instant, holy shit, this is a great song. The first single from the record, and it totally grabbed me right from the get-go. It opens the album, that cool little acoustic intro before it goes blazing into that heavy riff. Now, this is when Zach is great at a mid-tempo. It's got a cool riff. Pre-chorus is amazing. Great trade-off leads between him and Dario. One of my favorite things to listen to, oddly enough, is when they're trading leads back and forth, is listening to the rhythm behind them. I love the rhythm behind that solo and that song, man. It just builds up behind the solos, and this is so fucking good, man. Love it. Set You Free was the perfect lead single for this record. I think it, more than any song on the album, gives you the tone of the record. This song is what the album sounds like as a whole. I think Set You Free is the perfect example for that. His vocal melodies are just excellent. Funny music video that uh, he, he says was his high school prom, uh, you know. <laughs> That's what it was like at Jackson Memorial High School when he was right. growing up, went to prom and all that. Yeah, he's just so goofy. But obviously, uh, but, it reminds me of Buddy Holly by Weezer. Of course, and that was my first thought when I watched it yeah. the first time. Also, I was waiting to see someone do the dance at the end of it that Fonzie does, but oh, luckily, yeah. unfortunately, we didn't get any of that. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> but now, "Set You Free" is fucking great, man. It's we use this phrase a lot in the show, but it's everything you want from a Black Label Society song. I mean, it's got great melody, great guitar solos. A catchy rhythm. It's, it's just such a good song, man. I love that one. So I have a quick quote by Zach on it. He says, I wrote this one at the end. We'd basically finished recording and the guys had gone home. I also came up with Forever and A Day around the same time. So I had the guys come back out to work on them with me. Lyrically, it could be about me or something that happened to somebody I know, or it could be something I made up. It's like when Black Label says they've sold more albums than the Rolling Stones and the Beatles combined. It's not true, but we dream about it. It's like George Costanza says, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> that's classic zach wild right it is perfect but <laughs> but how about this little tidbit that forever in a day and set you free were written at the end of the fucking sessions i mean that's mind-boggling because those two songs taken off this record definitely um it's not as strong it changes everything without yeah. those two songs really quick you know i've read and watched about every interview he's done uh promoting this album and i've not seen that one uh, it's, it's an interesting quote and i didn't see that he'd said that but yeah without those two songs we're not quite having the same conversation at all because forever in a day is definitely one of my favorite songs in the album also so we'll get to that one down the road when we get to track four yeah i'm definitely glad he called the guys back in and finished those two out because they're solid all right so next up we have destroy and conquer so this one for me is one of the rare parts of the record where I scratch my head. It's a fine song. It's up-tempo. It clearly wants to be Hole in the Sky by Black Sabbath on a great, great up-tempo riff. It's got a cool bridge section. But the song for me, A, it's one of the only songs that I feel like it goes on too long. And the ending, I'm just like, all right. I, they kind of slow it down with that Doom riff. And he's singing the chorus over the Doom riff. And I'm just, I don't know. This one doesn't work for me as well. I would have never placed it track two. I have other songs I'll mention that would have worked much better. I understand that he was going for an up-tempo song here, but, you know, like go back to Order of the Black where Overlord is your second track. Overlord crushes the song. It's not even in the same ballpark. I think this is one of the weaker songs on the record, and it scratches my head why it was so high on the track listing. 
Can I just say ditto and move on to the next track? I mean, I have like literally the exact same thoughts. My notes say nice, but it's lower on the album for me. I mean, I do love it. I've referenced him a few times. They showed my friend John the Bot. I think he said it was his favorite song on the album. So I realize different strokes for different folks. But for me, I'm with you. I love it. Let's be clear. We've said this once, but we want to reiterate this. We like all 12 tracks in this album. There's literally zero that I just don't care much for. Zero. So if we say this is a lower one on the record, that doesn't mean we think it's shit. I just don't think it's quite as good as some of the others. Destroy yeah, and Conquer a- for me is, is definitely near the bottom for me also. Yeah, it's a fine song. But to be track two on this record, it just doesn't make sense because there's so many songs that are so much stronger. Exactly same thoughts that I have also. So Zach says on this one, this is the whole black label mindset. It's like when you get a large pie with garlic and mushroom from Joe and Pat's on Staten Island. You destroy and you conquer. When you're finished doing the dishes you've destroyed, you can make your bed and conquer. That's basically it. Now, of course, I'm from Staten Island, so I love that quote. (laughs) Zach Wild, man. Have you ever eaten pizza there? I have not. uh, But next time I go back to New York, I'm going to definitely find it. Yeah, for sure. I'm going back to New York in like a month or two. So maybe I need to go find it and destroy and conquer that shit myself. That would be awesome. (laughs) If I go in there and there's a picture of Zach in that place eating pizza, I'll take a picture of it and post it on our socials. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. So up next for track three is You Made Me Want to Live. I got to say, I fucking absolutely love this song. I got my copy of this album in a couple of days before Dan did. And I'm just going to kind of brag on that. And just kind of, I was kind of rubbing it into him a little bit that I had it before he did, you know, but... (laughs) He didn't care because he was in Mexico on the fucking beach, and he didn't give two shits what I had. But anyway, but no, I remember messaging you, Dan, with this one. and said, dude, you were going to absolutely go nuts for You Made Me Want to Live. It's just so different. This is the part of the album where Zach starts to kind of show the shades that I talked about earlier, where he has almost – I keep calling it a psychedelic, and I don't really like the term psychedelic, but I don't know how else to say it. The guitar tone is very phased and fuzzy and – the melody is just so nice. And then when it slides into the the course of the song and the heavier guitar comes in and you know, he goes to you made me and Zach singing. I love on this record. Zach sings clean tone the entire record. I've made that very clear in all of our episodes where we discuss Zach. That I prefer his clean tone vocal over what I call the whiny Aussie voice. I just, I love his clean tone and he's got such a beautiful singing voice. I'm so glad that on this album, he's really let us hear that all 12 tracks, but I love his melody on that one. The guitar solos. I mean, we're going to say this for every track. The guitar solos fucking amazing. It is. I mean, it's just so damn good. I knew instantly you would love this song. And I knew there was another one that I commented that I knew you would love. Tell me, do you love (laughs) wait until you see my list, Josh, you won't be disappointed. (laughs) So this song is where we take this album to a whole nother level. So this song starts out with a killer riff. It's clean tone. It actually reminds me a lot of Countdown's Begun on Black Rain. Just the guitar riff. The song sounds nothing like it. But that intro guitar riff on Countdown's Begun has got a similar vibe here to You Made Me Want to Live. But this is where Zach really takes it to another level. I can confidently say the style of song has never been done by Black Label Society. It's a completely different vibe. It better be a single. It's catchy as fuck. And those verses are so cool. It's basically Zach's clean guitar and him singing. And then when that chorus comes in, it's crushing. It's so catchy and emotional. I love everything about the song. The lead section, phenomenal. Everything about it's fantastic. The pre-chorus is amazing. This song is one of the best Black Label Society songs in years. I love it. 
you know, one of our grievances with Grimmest Hits was the lack of melodies that you could sing along to and that were memorable. You made me want to leave. You can hear it one time, and you got that fucking chorus in your head. One time. And That's and lack, exactly what was missing from Grimmest Hits. Agreed, and lack of diversity. Grimmest Hits, to me, was same song, repeat, same song, repeat. By track three here, we have three radically different songs, and we're even going to go radically different again by track four. I think Zach is really separating himself here as a brilliant songwriter, which we all know he is. But like you said earlier, I feel like he's really taking the time to say, we're going to make a full album. We're not going to just play riff after riff after riff after riff. These first three songs, all radically different. Absolutely. So what Zach says on this one is, I was reading all these comments that people were making about a guy who had recently passed away. Someone said, you made me want to live. And I just thought that'd be a cool title for a song. Person put a bright spot in your life with positive influence. And the lyrics are basically from all the comments. I just started piecing together all these cool things people were saying about the guy. Who was he? I'm not giving it away. Interesting. The fact that he felt the need to say, I can't tell you who said that, or I'm not going to tell you who said that, makes you think it was probably somebody we all know. About somebody that, that who passed away. It, yeah. it could have been Eddie Van Halen. You know, It could have been so many different people. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's, just, it's interesting. So people were writing comments on, on a social media page about somebody that died, and he put all those lyrics together from the social media page. So next up is the first ballad on the record, which is called Forever and a Day. And this one, you know, I tried so hard not to geek out over this song, but it eventually broke me down and I had to gush and gush and gush over it. This song is exactly what I love about Zach Wilde. I, I know he's a fucking shredder metal guitar player, but I don't think there's a person on the planet that writes better ballads than Zach Wilde, which is why I'm so excited about Book of Shadows Volume 3. This song like something off Shot to Hell. It's a beautiful ballad, wonderful melody, another fucking amazing, amazing solo. Matter of fact, it starts off with this cool little guitar bit that reminds me actually of Living with the Enemy just for a second. When it first started, my ear went, holy shit, is that Living with the Enemy? And then a half a second later, it's like, oh yeah, not even close. But there's just something about the way he picks it reminds me of that Ozzy B-side. This is just a beautiful song. Like It can bring me to tears. I can have a whole album full of these every year from Zach Wilde. And I'd be fine. I wouldn't miss the metal. No, I agree 100%, man. When I had my first listen through on this album Wednesday, the day two days before the release, I messaged Dan, said, I'm not going to spill too much about this record. And after this comment, I'm finished. I said, but you're going to absolutely lose your shit over forever and a day because it sounds straight from the Shot to Hell sessions. A matter of fact, my notes right here in front of my face say forever and a day slash Shot to Hell. It just sounds straight from the Shot Tail sessions, and everyone that listens to this show knows how much you love that album. It's just such a good fucking song and melody. The melody reminded me a ton of Damage Is Done from Hangover Music. Good call. Very similar melody-wise, and that's not a, a, a bad comment because that song has one of the strongest melodies Zach's ever done on a Black Label album, as, the, as does this song. Scorching guitar solo that starts off yeah. clean tone, then the gains kicked in a little bit later, and it just starts to shred piercing guitar solos is so fucking beautiful man i love love clean tone singing zach on a ballad with clean guitar that leads into heavy guitar for the solo and that's my shit that's what i like <laughs> and i want more of it a hundred percent yes absolutely love it and like you said book of shadows three it's exactly what we want from that let's let's get it let's go forever in a day is fucking great flat out um, great a lot of melody in the solo, too, which I love. Yes. 
it, it, really, that's the theme for the album. There's some definite shred moments on here. I mean, it's guitar heavy from start to finish. There's definitely more melody and times of thought out moments in the solos than, than Zach's had on the last few of the records, I think. All right. So the quote on this one is, which of course I'm going to love, but there's always some Beatles floating around in there somewhere. We talk about that all the time. To me, they're like Goliath casting his shadow upon everything. I'd been listening to some singer-songwriter type stuff on the radio, and I was just pedaling on this note on the piano. When I had enough for a song, we had the guys come back out to record some more. Of course, him talking about the Beatles. That gives Dan an erection. Yeah, I'll go ahead that, and tell gives you. Me, <laughs> that gives me an erection. Big I did time. spend all weekend watching the Beatles Let It Be session. It's an amazing documentary if you guys yeah. have not watched it yet. Yeah, I don't have Disney Plus, but it's making me consider that I need to do the free trial or something. But that's you know a different topic for a different day. But yeah, yeah. definitely would like to see that. Listeners, let's just be clear about something. Dan's trying to show me up with these fucking quotes on every song. I mean, who the fuck has notes like that? <laughs> like my my notes literally say "forever and today" slash "shot to hell" question mark. My next song "end of days" slash "solid." <laughs> Dan has full-blown fucking quotes from Zach Wild track. For, where are you getting these quotes, man? Like, where are you? I have watched every interview he's done. I've read every interview on I've seen on the internet. Where are you getting these fucking quotes from? They're all from Apple Music. All the quotes. Apple Music. Yeah. So he must have had a an interview with Apple Music where they went song by oh. song. Oh. All right. That brings us to the next track. I've already given away my notes to that track, which is End of Days, and my notes just say solid. Because it is solid. It's a cool fucking riff, cool melody, slamming guitar solos, awesome music video that I discussed in the last episode that I love the fucking music video for this one. Goofy as shit. End of Days, man. It's a good song. I've debated in my head a lot if it was the perfect second single or not. It's not a bad second single because God knows we were over the moon when we heard it. We loved it. We all agreed it wasn't quite as good as Set You Free, but that it was right there. It was close. It was good. With time, I still believe it's right there with it. But after hearing the album... There actually may be a few songs that I like better than this one, but that said, still a solid single. It's cool riff, cool melody, and that's really, in a cool guitar, it's really all we can ask for in a Zach Wilde song, right? Yeah, no question. I absolutely love the opening riff. It's got a lot of melody in the riff. It moves, it grooves. I love this song. I still do. I think it's actually the perfect second single because the melody, the vocal melody is fantastic. And something I absolutely love about this song is the bridge. This is the best bridge on the record. Now, this reminds me of an Ozzy song when it breaks down on that bridge and he's singing that melody. Fan-fucking-tastic. I love this song. I prefer mid-tempo Zach in a song like this than him trying to be Tony Iommi, where he's just being heavy for heavy's sake. I think this is way more interesting, way more intricate, and just shows the genius of his songwriting. I think End of Days is a great song. It being the Christmas season, the next time I hear be good for goodness sake, in my head I'm going to hear, and be heavy for heavy sake. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So thanks for putting that in my head. That'll, that'll be what I'll be hearing the whole season. But anyway, <laughs> Zach kind of does a Tony Iommi-ish thing sometimes. There was actually a lot of that on, on Grimace Hits. But yes. uh, I'm, I'm with you on End of Days. I prefer that style of mid-tempo track for, for Black Label Society also. So you do like it as the second single. I do, because... It's not really mellow. It still rocks. I, I think overall, it's just a really well-written song. It's got a catchy melody. It's very catchy in the chorus. And I think that bridge is great. The solos are great. There's nothing really not to love about this song. 
Yeah. It's jumping ahead a little, but I'm going to go ahead and say the only song that I thought I might would have used for the second single other than that one. You, know, you could also go the route of a ballad, kind of like the old 80s and 90s route, right? You do right. one banger, then one ballad. And there's definitely some quality ballads on this record. But I think Zach doesn't really want to go that route, at least not with the second single. You know what I mean? I think he preferred to stay heavy with the second single. I really thought Forsaken would have been good in the second single spot. Really like it's similar in tone to End of Days, but it just has a little bit more bang for my buck, a little bit heavier and more powerful on that one. We don't agree. So I think End of Days is considerably better personally. Well, and if we don't agree, but we both agree the end of days is fine, then probably it was the right decision then. <laughs> right. Agreed. <laughs> I think Forsaken is considerably heavier, to be honest. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. All right. So Zach says about end of days, people are like, the video has nothing to do with the song. And I always say, exactly. I'm not sure what it's about, but it's awesome. Whenever my wife says to me, what are you doing to me down there? I always go, don't worry. It's awesome. But I don't really want to spell out the lyrics. They're about whatever connection you have to the song could be about going to the proctologist it's the end of days for my rectum that's when, such classic zach when, when we you know what this song's about when you read that shit like you can hear zach saying it you know, like yeah my wife says what are you doing down there don't worry but it's awesome yeah. <laughs> like you can just so hear him saying that this is so damn funny i swear it's funny that he dude. almost doesn't want to come clean that it's a very overtly religious song which you know to each their own i think he's talking about Someone that doesn't believe in heaven or hell and basically saying you got to believe kind of like the song from Catacombs of the Black Vatican. So I, I do think it's it's kind of it's not a preachy song in any way, clearly about someone that does not believe in heaven or hell. Well, I mean, after forever has a similar tone, right? I mean, yeah, I thought about you know, that. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Next up, we have Ruins, which is another solid song. I think this one is Stock BLS. When you think of BLS stuff from Grimmest Hits, maybe the second half of Mafia, this is exactly what Ruins is to me. I mean, it's got a good groove. I do like the drumming groove by Jeff Fab on this one. But overall, this one is just okay. You know, I do like the fact that it gets mellow in the chorus, which he does a few times on this record. So I do think that separates it to be a little bit better than some of the stuff off of uh, Grimmest Hits. Overall, I'd say this one is just okay. Yeah, my notes for this one to say, just not quite clicking yet. Like you said, I love the choruses, that they're a little more mellow. Totally different for Zach. It does have melodic parts. It's definitely not a bad song. But comparison's sake to the rest of the album, it's not quite there with the others for me. Definitely has memorable moments. But all in all, yeah, this one for me is not one that I am overly crazy about. But my friend Waylon Whitson, I'll throw him a shout out on here, a place for a band called The Technicolor Nightmare, check them out, said it's his favorite song on the album. So again, we go back to maybe not my favorite, but then here's a good buddy of mine whose opinion I respect, his favorite track. So it's, it's funny how it's also subjective. Of course, it's what makes music so great. Yep. So Zach said on this one, as far as the riffs on this song, for me, it's all about Mount Rithmore of hard rock, which is Cream, Sabbath, Zeppelin, and Purple. So if you're writing riffs and you come up with anything remotely close to the zip code of any of those guys, we're in business. Whether it's Sunshine of Your Love, Into the Void, Whole Lot of Love, or Smoke on the Water. That kind of stuff can be the spark that lights up the whole song. Because once you've got a riff, you're already there. Now, I agree with him, but this song 
isn't in the league of those four. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. <laughs> we love you, man, but come on, dude. Like yeah. you're throwing out those songs, and and, and I, I know we said in the same zip code, but let's let's at least say area code, right? <laughs> I mean, this is the worst song on the album. Don't compare that to "Smoke on the Water," man. That's almost the worst song on the album. Oh, spoiler alert for me Uh-oh. spoiler alert for you yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> so that's so funny but typically he is in the ballpark with those albums and those songs so oh, yeah. you know typically zach has the right to say that just i just don't know that that would be the greatest moment to say it but you know that said this is the one that i want to dive into a little more on my listening because I, it's not quite clicked with me yet like i said earlier and I feel like a few more listens, and it just may pick up and do that. So that brings us to the next track, which is the one I referenced earlier, Forsaken. I really like this one. The first few listens through, it was one of my lesser liked tracks on the album. But I've picked up on it in the past day or so. It's just so powerful, man. And the guitars sound so big. The riff sounds so big. Melodic, catchy, memorable stuff. I may have personally replaced End of Days with this one for the second single. I just thought it's, it's what... I think Black Label Society fans as a whole want. You and I agree we're a little different than your typical Black Label Society fans. Me and you both love the the slower tempo, melodic, ballady kind of stuff from Zach a lot more than some of the Black Label fans do. But your basic metalheads who just want to uh, doomsday Jesus every day, I think this is more the track for those guys. And I, same respect, I love it also because I love doomsday Jesus also. But yeah, I, I like Forsaken a lot. I'm curious to get your take on this one. So my notes say heavy as fuck. This song is super heavy and it's good. I think it's solid. I, it's definitely not in the same ballpark that you have it in. I, I think Ryan also gave a big shout out to the song to give another shout out to our man, Ryan Beavers. For some reason, this one, not that it hasn't clicked, but to me, it's okay. It's like standard BLS again, maybe standard, but better than ruins. Of course, nothing that I don't think it's in the top echelon of the record. I think it's fine. I would never skip it. I think it's a cool headbanger. Again, great solos, cool chorus. But for me, I think it's, I've heard this one before is the best way I can say it. Totally understand that. Totally understand it. So tell us, Mr. Drago, what does Mr. Wild have to say about this track? So this one, he says, this is kind of the same as the last one. Once I had the riff, it was on. I just came up with a mid-tempo thing and then went into a Jimmy Page type thing with a Dan Electro on the clean guitars. But the lyrics are about nothing. Like the last song could be about cleaning your room in the ruins. So clean your room and make your bed. You're destroying Conca. But while you're doing it, you might be forsaken and the whole thing takes forever in a day. Two things that really stand out. One, did everyone hear Dan mention that he was from Staten Island earlier? Did you hear that fucking New York accent? Destroying Conca. <laughs> did you hear that <laughs> Northeastern accent pop out? You've been in Arizona for how long now? A long time. And that, that fucking word, it just popped right out of your mouth, man. Yeah. Like me saying the lot. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just so funny. That is so funny. And another thing that cracked me up was when you said on a Dan Electro, I legit thought you were going to say on a Dan Drago for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Like, like, Dan, Zach gave you a shout out, man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You've made it, oh, dude. Oh, my God. That's tired now. That would have been awesome. Oh, that would have been great. You know, I will say Forsaken is definitely one that's a little bit closer to compare to Smoke on the Water than Ruins riff-wise. I, I do think Forsaken is, is a cool riff and groove. Yeah. So well, a little more is deserving of that, of, that, of that comment than Ruins is. So, All right. So next up, we have Love Rain Down. 
This one was actually originally composed during the No More Tears album sessions. So this one he's had laying around for a long time, and it was written right after the death of his mother. So, at least musically. I think this is a great song. It's very piano-driven. Another beautiful ballad by Zach. The one thing I love about the three ballads on this record is they're all a little different, right? And I think, again, he's flexing his songwriting and showing how diverse he really is as a songwriter. Most people complain that all the shit sounds the same, but... This record, definitely not. This one's a beautiful song. Fuck, the guitar solo is out of this world on this one. And I think this is definitely a strong song on the record. I think this is the part of the record that is really heavy. You got Ruins, Forsaken, Gospel of Lies, but great track placement to kind of take it down a little bit with Love Rain Down. Beautiful melody, great song, awesome guitars. Yeah, you've already said everything. There's nothing I can really add. I mean, Love Rain Down, on my notes, all I put was guitar solo. And beside of it, I drew the emoji of the smiley face with the heart eyes, <laughs> which yeah. is some of the lamest shit I could have done. But the guitar solo was just so fucking good in this one, man. It's just so good. And I feel like I'm kind of repeating myself on a lot of these tracks on, you know, great melody, great guitar solo. But it's truly not so much that I'm trying to be repetitive as it's just praising the fact that this album is so cohesive and just so well written that yeah that that all the tracks are equal in quality there's no real let-ups or downs like they all have what we want and desire from black label society they have great guitars great melodies great guitar solos great riffs you know zach is amazing vocals and and i love to hear zach play piano man as i mentioned in a few episodes back i'm a piano player now it's something new in my life that i've picked up and i love it and even before i played i love to hear zach play zach can play the fuck out of it he's actually a piano player before he's a guitar player Love Rain Down is a gorgeous song. I love when you made the comment that this album has three ballads, but all three are totally different. Couldn't agree more. That was a perfect statement. And between you know the three ballads on the album, Forever and a Day, Love Rain Down, and Farewell Ballad, they're all only have one thing in common, and that is the tempo. They sound totally different from each other, and that's excellent. Like you said earlier, it just shows you how much Zach's writing can be diverse when he really takes the time to do that, because these are all songs that are similar in tone, but sound nothing alike. Love Rain Down is is fucking great, man. I, I could take 12 of these tracks and be tickled to death with this album. No question in my mind. Great call. And unfortunately, no comment on this one. Okay, so the next song on the album is Gospel of Lies. And if I'm being totally honest... On the first listen, this was the track that I liked the least. Not a big fan of Zach's Doom sound. Earlier, Dan called it the Tony Iommi sounding thing that, that Zach tries to do sometimes. Not quite for me. But then I have to admit, the guitar solos are so fucking good, man. And what's even better than the guitar solos is the rhythm behind them. The guitar solo section is fucking great. I almost would have took the rest of the song and scrapped it. And just done two minutes of the guitar solo and have that be an instrumental track or something. That part saves the entire song. Love the guitar sections, the solo sections. The rest of it, for me, it may grow on me a little bit with time. I don't, like, hate it, but the solo sections totally saved it for me. So this is the second longest song on the record. Farewell Ballad is the longest. This is the longest heavy track on the record. And the first minute is this doom riff that goes nowhere that should just have not been there. It reminds me a lot of Live Forever from 13, where you know he just has that opening doom riff before the riff starts, and you're just like, just why have it, man? Just start with that cool up-tempo riff. And I feel like this song actually, at first I wrote slow, doomy, and then I, I was really listening to it, and I'm like, 
actually kind of got a cool groove once you take that minute off. And it's not a bad song. It's got some cool riffs, but that first minute, I don't know, it just don't work for me. This It just doesn't go anywhere. Zach trying to be Tony Iommi, which I get, but for a full minute, it just, I don't really care for it that much. It's a, it's a slamming solo. Again, kind of stock BLS where he, he kind of gets there sometimes. I think there's three songs on the record that have that, maybe four. And it's a fine song. Again, I've heard it before. Nothing to write home about, but it's I surely would never skip it. It's still really solid. For sure. And let's be clear. We all want to be Tony Iommi. <laughs> I mean, it's not a knock at all. I would love to be Tony Iommi. So that's, and I think we all try to to do our Tony thing from time to time. But I, I totally know what you're saying, and I agree totally. This That first minute or so just really drags the song out unnecessarily a little bit. Because after that, it does pick up. Kind of was one of those things that just didn't need to be there. I do like the fact that he, he picks the chorus. Like, he arpeggiates the chords. And I think that was a really standout on this song. So again, great chorus, but overall it's a fine song. I really have no problem with it. I I would have just taken off the first minute. All right. So the comment on this one is uh, Zach says, when my wife says, I'm pretty sure that's not 12 inches you're installing inside my body. I go, trust me, it is, but she's never seen it and I've never unveiled it. So then she says, this rhetoric of yours is nothing but a gospel of lies. So that's where that came from. <laughs> Zach just he just never gives a straightforward answer, does he? Ever. <laughs> never. Never. All right, so for me personally, I think these next three tracks are what really separate this album. The ending of this record is incredible to me. And it starts all with Shelter Me. Shelter Me is such a cool fucking song. The intro is unlike anything I've heard Zach Wilde do before. It's really melodic and simple, but goddamn, it's just so different and so cool. This one for me, actually, it's got a killer riff after the song kicks in. This is the one that screamed at me like, I wish Ozzy would have had this song. For some reason, I, I just feel Ozzy in this one. Great mid-tempo, heavy song, awesome guitar solo, really cool chorus. Everything drops out, and it's just, it's just Zach and a tremolo guitar. And again, it shows another layer of a songwriting, which I think five years ago, he would have never done anything like this. You got this killer, killer groove, awesome verse melody, and the chorus, it's nothing but Zach and a tremolo guitar. Clean. It's catchy as fuck. Another great solo. The cool thing about the solo is they go into this really cool melody and, and harmony, and the bass drops out. And they're just it's just the drums and Zach and Dario playing together this really cool harmony. And then when the, when the lead actually kicks in, the bass comes in. It's really powerful and really well done. The song is it's just different, man. It's just a different sound in Black Label Society song. You said you kind of felt like this would be a good Aussie track. I think the reason you feel that way, it kind of has a No More Tears era feel to it musically. I, I can hear what you're saying, though. Yeah. It doesn't sound like, say, S.I.N., but it has that kind of feel to it. Kind of that no more tearsy era feel to the planks. So yeah, I could totally see where you, you get an Aussie vibe from it. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love the course. Like you said earlier, the course is just so catchy and different with the, the tremolo guitar just resonating throughout that. It's, it's the kick-ass track, man. There's not a whole lot I can say about it, but it's, it's definitely one that's different in a good way. Different. It, I really enjoy this one. You know, it's not necessarily a track that stands out for me as being one of the stronger on the album, but it definitely, I, I love it. I was totally kind of, floored when i heard it for the first time because it is very different so it's funny this is my forsaken for you you are in love with forsaken i think it's fine it's a solid song 
I'm in love with Shelter Me. I think it's fucking brilliant. And you're like, yeah, it's it's good. So it's kind of funny how we gravitate a little bit towards different songs. Yeah. But, you know, like I've said 25 times throughout this episode, they're all so close and condensed oh, yeah. together in, in quality that really I'm totally nitpicking. And come tomorrow, my list would probably be different when it's said and done because they're all kind of right there together in one big ball, which is excellent. So this is what Zach has to say about Shelter Me, and I've, I've heard him use this analogy before. I tried to keep that descending riff as simple as possible because that's how all the iconic riffs are. It's like if you have a box of 64 crayons and I take 60 away, you've got to make something with just four. Or those cooking shows where they give everybody a basket with just a couple of ingredients. Everyone pretty much comes up with their own thing. It's just a matter of where your imagination can take you, which is the beauty of it. And it is. It's a kind of a simple song, but fuck, his imagination was brilliant on it. Love this one. I totally agree with him. I mean, it's it's a, it's a great song. You know, I don't feel like I have a whole lot to say about this one, but I don't mean that to sound negative. I really enjoy this one. It's just it's just different, and I, I love it for what it is. So the next track is Gather All My Sins. My first thought with this one instantly was that this kind of sounds like a Pride and Glory era track. And I don't know that Zach's recorded anything in the Black Label catalog that was really reminded me of Pride and Glory upon a first listen or two until this one. But it has kind of a southern twang to it. My initial thought was, is Dan is not going to like this one that much because we've discussed on the show before that you kind of don't have a heavy taste for the southern licks. I think this one has a bit of the southern twang, the Almond Brothers kind of sounding stuff. Again, love hearing Dario and Zach going back and forth on the leads. Just really instrumentally, th- this song was written more about the instrumentals, I feel like, than, than the lyrics or the melodies. It's just such a good instrumentally played song. And it has a southern flair, which I, of course, love being from the south. Definitely could handle some more Pride and Glory style music in my life. So I, I really enjoy this one. Well, I hate to prove you wrong, but I fucking love this song as well. Again, Shocked. the end of this record is fantastic. I actually thought, my note says it sounds like something off of Sonic Brew. It sounds like old Black Label Society to me. I do think there are some songs on Sonic Brew that have that Pride and Glory vibe to it. Absolutely love this one. I love the tempo. He's slamming on this one. It's got an incredible swing. Very Sabbath swing going on on this song. I also love the chorus. This is, could be one of my favorite choruses on the record. I think it's incredible. The riff behind it is awesome. It's so simple. When I listen to the chorus, I just listen to that guitar riff, and I'm just like, yes, this is fucking heavy as balls. One of the better, heavier songs on the record. I can listen to this one all day. Again, another slamming solo on this one. Yeah, I'm going to backpedal on my comment a little bit. You're, you're correct. Sonic Brew definitely had some Pride and Glory style, southernish sounding licks on, on that first album. So I think that's a fair statement. And after you said that, I kind of was like, yeah, he's, he's not far off on that statement. So yeah, I would say the first song for me since maybe Sonic Brew. So I'll back up on that a little bit. Yeah. You're right. Sonic Brew definitely had a few of those. Zach on Gather All My Sins. Obviously, this has the Lord Iomi influence with the flat five. With Black Label, there's always some kind of Sabbath floating around in the soup. I was just writing riffs one morning and came up with this one. But the song is basically just two parts, the riff and the chorus section. Paranoid is pretty much the same way, just two parts. Just make it as simple as you can. Yeah, I hear the Sabbath vibe all over this one. Definitely a killer one. Yeah, you mentioned the swing a minute ago, and that's that's, that's Sabbath vibe for sure. So I I can get with that, no, no doubt about it. As he's done in the past, the album finishes on a mellow ballad track. This one is called The Forever Ballad. He's had the song laying around for 10 or 11 years. The longest track on the record clocks in at 6 minutes and 40 seconds. And the brilliance of this track, it doesn't feel anywhere near that when I listen to it. Every time it ends, I just replay it because it's that good of a fucking song. I love this track. 
This one to me is the one that sounds like it could have been on the first Book of Shadows. The intro's got that beautiful guitar intro, and then he's got that kind of metal guitar solo going on over it. And I don't want to say metal, but like electric guitar solo going over it. Kind of reminds me of old LA tonight a little bit at the very intro. Not 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 in the sound of the song, but like the vibe of it, right? I think this song has got everything again I want in Zach Wilde ballad. It's 11 years old. It's right off of Book of Shadows. It's got a brilliant chorus. The lead on this one also reminds me of Old L.A. Tonight. He's got this little run he does. I was like, oh, yeah, he's taking that right from Old L.A. Tonight. I love this track. Very high on my list. What a way to end the album. Kind of like Shades of Grey on Catacombs. Brilliant, brilliant song. Yeah, totally excited to finally hear this song come to fruition. It's something that fans have clamored for for a long, long time. You know, Zach originally recorded Farewell Ballad in a guitar instructional video that came out forever ago. Fans just always loved it. It was just fucking, it was badass. And essentially, if you've never heard the instructional video, it's the first 90 seconds or so of what Farewell Ballad is on this recording. And much like yourself, for me, it doesn't seem to last near as long as six minutes plus. It's over in the blink of an eye, it feels like. And the intro itself is 90 seconds, and it feels like 20 like he goes into it, he goes into the guitar solo, and this is so beautiful, but but shredding at the same time. It seems to go by in an instant, and then it goes into the song, and before you know it, the song's over. It goes so quick, but yet it's six minutes plus. You know, it's such a good song. So glad to finally have it out there for the for you know completed for everyone. And I think Zach's kind of happy to have it out there completed also because I think it's a song that he's definitely never put away. And I think it's one that he's definitely wanted to finish for a long, long time. So I'm glad that the pandemic finally gave him time to you know, revisit this track and get it out there for the fans because it's definitely worth the listen. This is such a, it's a guitar. It is a guitar clinic when you listen to him play, man. It's just so fucking good. I love it. Great description, Josh. It is a guitar clinic. I couldn't have said it better myself. So Zach reiterates what you said. He says, this one's been sitting around since 2009 or so. I originally recorded the intro for Guitar Techniques magazine in the UK. They asked me to write something people could solo over. So I did this thing that's in D minor to C to B flat to A major. Just something people could improvise over. Then I was getting tagged on Instagram for years when people were playing their version of that piece of music. So I decided to take that original piece and write a song around it. And that's how we closed the record. And he kept the same title. Farewell Ballad was what it was called then also, which is just, yes. you know, I love that. And he kind of incorporates it into the lyrics, which is very, very cool. I don't want to say farewell, farewell anymore. God, what a great exclamation point to end this record because you know i know we were hard on a couple of songs but like josh said the songs that when we we rank them here are going to be towards the bottom of the list are still really good but the top eight for me personally are some of the best songs zach has written in years long time agree totally and even the the bottom 12 are better than a lot of of what we've had recently in my opinion i I just love the entire record man The, the first listen through i had to now i've listened to it every day I, I fucking love it. And a matter of fact, rather than getting weary on certain tracks, you know, typically once you've listened to an album several times through, you decide the ones you like, the ones you don't like so much, and you listen to those less than you listen to the others. And you, you know, it's, it's a natural progression. You start listening to the ones you prefer the most, the most, and you'll skip a track here or there. I'm about five days in now, and I still don't skip any tracks in this album. I mean, I truly listen to all 12 tracks. I'm totally stoked for the two Japanese tracks. Can't wait to hear those. If you're out there and you're in Japan, we do have listeners in Japan. 
please feel free to drop those bad boys on YouTube and tag us on them or something because we would love to hear them. Absolutely. Dan's ordered them. They're coming at some point to him, but you know, like we, we want to hear those, but no, I, I'm so proud of Zach. So pumped for this record. And I can't wait to hear your rankings on what tracks you find to be the best. I have a pretty good idea on where you're going to go with it. I think. Yeah, I think we're going to be pretty close. I mean, we might have a few here and there that are just a little bit off. I think this album, it's hard to rank, but there are some clear, wonderful tracks. So, all right, I'll start and we'll just go back and forth. My number 12 coming in as my least liked song at the moment is Destroy and Conquer. Yeah, my number 12, probably not a shock after hearing my rundown earlier, but it's Ruins. My number 11 is Ruins. And my number 11 is Gospel of Lies. Just likes a little bit of melody for me. My number 10 is Gospel of Lies. Yeah, we're definitely pretty close. My number 10 is Destroy and Conquer. So there you go. We're we're definitely running the same circles early on. Okay. All right. So this one's going to change a little bit. My number nine is Forsaken. Yeah, this is definitely where we start to shake it up. My number nine, and I do love it so much. I don't know. Like I look at it and I'm like, why is it so low? But my number nine is Shelter Me. I feel like that's, I feel like with time, that's going to go up. That's funny. That's funny. My number eight is Gather All My Sins. Now, from here on out, eight to one for me, these songs are all. A pluses. The, the rest of these eight songs are fucking great. Number eight for me is also Gather All My Sins. So we're, we're still sticking on the same page for the most part. My number seven is Love Rain Down. I have at number seven, Farewell Ballad. Okay, so your first ballad entry mm-hmm. and my first ballad entry. My number six is End of Days. And six for me is Love Rain Down. So <laughs> we're not too far off. No, not at all. My number five is Shelter Me. And my number five is End of Days. I feel like I'm like one behind you on all of these. (laughs) Right? It's crazy. (laughs) My number four is Farewell Ballad. And number four for me is where I finally come down to Forsaken. My number three is Set You Free. Oh, you dropped Set You Free to number three. That's a shocking moment right there. Okay, this is our first real wild card moment of of the listing. That's really interesting. Number three for me is where I went forever and a day. Definitely shocked here that you dropped Set You Free. To, I know how much you love that song. That I do. Speaks, it's awesome. Yes, that speaks to the power of the record because I do know how much you love that song. So for you to drop that to number three really says a whole lot. These top two songs are amazing. My number two, You Made Me Want to Live. Concur. My number two is also You Made Me Want to Live. And my number one is Forever on a Day. And you knew it was going to be there, Josh. I just, I could <laughs> not do it. It's just, it's fucking incredible. I knew from the first time I heard that fucking song, it was going to be there. I did think there was a chance it would come in at number two for you because I do know how much you love Set You Free. So I thought, eh, it's going to be up there at one or two for Dan. Number one for me is the lead single, Set You Free. It set the tone from the start for me, and it's a tone that still hasn't let up all this time later. Great fucking record. Kudos to Zach Wild. We're going to give you a golf yeah, clap. Awesome. Let's Good go. job, Zach. Yes. So proud. And all the guys, you know, Jeff, Fab, and JD, and Dario, they all worked on this record, man. So kudos to everyone involved. I think it's the best Black Label Society album since Order of the Black. And if you listen to our last episode on Black Label Society, well, two episodes ago, Order of the Black is my favorite Black Label record. And I think this is his best one since, man. I, I fucking love it. So the real cool thing is, is we have the exact same three top songs. They're just in different order, by the way. I agree. To me, Zach has a five albums that are clearly his top five for me. And we went over that in the podcast. Now I, I could clearly say he's got six. I put this around Order of the Black and Catacombs of the Black Vatican 
which for me are four or five in the black label canon. You know, when I did my list, I had Catacombs higher. Today, if I did it, I'd probably have Order of the Black higher. And and to me, this is saying a lot. It's about there already. Kudos to Zach. Like you said, this is a brilliant, brilliant statement. Yeah, if we're dropping it into the catalog that we did a few episodes back, I'm right with you. I put this in the five, six range. Definitely have Order of the Black, 1919 Eternal, some of those at the top, you know, Blessed Hell Ride. But this is right after those for me. Very high up. Uh, out of 11 albums, this one ranks about five or six for me. And that says a lot. I mean, that's those are some great fucking records. All 11 of those records. Even, even Grimmest Hits, we love it. I mean, we do listen to it. It is, you know, it's not like we hate it. Love all of the albums Zach has done with Black Label Society. So for this to fall in the five or six range, I'm totally ecstatic with. It. I love it. I'm so, I'm so excited, man. We're so proud of him. Good job, Zach. Good job to everyone involved. You knocked this one out of the park, man. We love it. Well, thank you. It was great to dive deep into the new Black Label Society. I will say, if you do not have it, pick up a copy. Support Zach Wilde, but support the band. I bought it in the Japanese CD version and on vinyl. So, you know, support these artists, man. A lot of times we hear these artists say, well, there's no money in making music. Well, thank God Zach is a true artist and will always make music, but let's get out there and support these guys. Zach is the hardest working man in rock and roll. I've said that for 15 years. He's he's always touring with Black Label, touring with Ozzy, touring with G3, touring with Experience Hendrix, dropping Black Label albums left and right. He puts out an album like every two years, roughly. This is the 11th Black Label Society record, not including... You know, all of your other ones, like The Song Remains Not the Same, Song Remains Not the Same 2, three or four great uh, live albums, right? And those have all come out since like the year, what, 1998? I was going to so say you're 99, looking at, but yeah, somewhere around there. 99, maybe. So you're looking at a 21, 22-year career, and there's like 15 fucking releases. <laughs> I mean, that's insane this damn time. No one else is doing that. He's the hardest working man in rock and roll, and, and we love him for it. Zach, we couldn't be more proud of him, man. This album is fucking great. All right. It was great diving deep into this, Josh. We'll catch you next time. All right, guys. We will see you on the other side. Yeah, all songs. What was that? Do you hear that? No, but it could have been my wife dropping a pan. She's cooking. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, perfect. You you handle that part of it. What the fuck you doing? I was reading. <laughs> Jesus crazy. Christ! I wait for you for an hour, um, and, now, and now you're reading while we're on the goddamn podcast <laughs> together. Oh yeah, yeah.